Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So Vicki and I were in New York City several years ago, and as you know, I love history. And I'm always looking for historical things in Manhattan. And I discovered that there is a tavern in the Wall Street area of Manhattan that is famous for the fact that it has existed since before the Revolutionary War and that it is the place, it's called Francis Tavern, where George Washington, at the end of the Revolutionary War, met with his generals for the very last time. And so... We made our way there, and it is still a pub. You can still go, and you can still dine there and eat there, but you can also go upstairs. And as I remember climbing the stairs and walking into the long room, and it was amazing, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but it was amazing to stand in the same room where George Washington, the first president of the United States, many historians call him the greatest American, to stand in that room and perhaps to be standing in the exact same place that he stood. And as someone who loves history, as an American, it was sacred in some sense. This was a sacred place. This was a special place where a very important meal took place. And George Washington, the greatest American, told his generals, thank you and goodbye. It was just an unbelievable moment. Something that you, I didn't expect visiting New York City. And so this morning, we have the Lord's table set before us. And we also see the Lord's table in our text. And what Mark is trying to communicate, and remember, we have been going through Mark chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Remember, Mark is a secretary, a scribe for the Apostle Peter. And so he's trying to communicate to us through the words of Jesus that when he institutes the Lord's Supper, that this is a sacred meal that this is a special meal that has significance far beyond the little cup of wine and the small cracker. That it's a representation of something that turns the entire cosmos inside out. And we in Christ are allowed to come to this table this morning to this sacred very special Lord's Supper. So there's a couple of things that I I want to bring to your attention this morning. The betrayal, the body, and the blood. The betrayal, the body, and the blood. So let's, let's look at the betrayal. You see in the first part of our passage that they gather together, that Jesus has made preparations ahead of time, that they're going to go to this upper room, Apparently, he knows the person that owns it and that they are going to celebrate the Passover there. Now, let's 
let's take a, a momentary time out and let's talk about the, the Passover. What is the Passover? Well, the Passover is the most important thing that happens for the Jewish people on a yearly basis. The Passover is a reminder that they were slaves in Egypt and that God called them out of slavery and that He inflicted plagues and punishments upon Egypt because they held God's people captive. And the tenth thing that God did is that He was going to take the firstborn son. But notice, it wasn't just Egypt, it was Israel too. The previous nine plagues afflicted the Egyptians. And God says, if you will take the lamb and you will take the spotless young lamb without blemish and use its blood over your doorpost, then the angel of death will pass over you. I will not bring judgment upon you. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will save you because you are my people. I have placed my love upon you. I am giving you my promises. And so throughout the Old Testament leading up until the time of Jesus and even to this day, the Jewish people celebrate Passover. It's when they come together as families and they are reminded of God's deliverance through the blood of the Lamb. They are reminded of God's redemption. They are reminded of God's love. And it's a meal that they share as a family. And so they've, they've come together to celebrate this meal in the upper room. And when we think about this passage, I know that I have for the longest time, I focus in on Judas and I say to myself, what are you thinking? What are you doing? After spending time with Jesus and seeing all the miracles that He performed and listening to His teaching, how can you do this? It's insane. But when I come to this passage and I really stop and reflect on it and I pray over it, here's what happens. I see myself in Judas. You see, all of God's people have betrayed Him. All of humanity is, has betrayed Him. We look at this and we point to Judas and we wring our hands because of Judas and we say, how could you? But the truth of the matter is, we have rebelled against God. We have disobeyed God. We have sinned against God. Every one of us. We are sinful, broken, fallen, fallen people. A, a theme that runs throughout the Bible. So let's hear Isaiah, the great prophet. What does Isaiah have to say in the first chapter and the fourth verse? It's very significant, and I think it's very interesting that he puts it right at the front. This is a vision that Isaiah has from the Lord. Our covenant God is reminding us who we are. O sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly estranged. So Isaiah is calling the people of Israel back to himself to repent, to confess your covenant disobedience, to obey the covenant, to worship me properly, 
and to follow after me. But it's the same message belongs to us as it did to ancient Israel. The Lord is saying to us, we have turned against Him. We consistently pursue our own selfish desires. We want to be our own God. We want to do what is best for us. We are most interested in our own self. Our hearts and our minds and our souls, apart from Christ, are not aligned with His will. And even when we belong to Jesus, we still struggle with obedience. And so when we come to that upper room, I think the challenge for us as God's people is not to point our finger at Judas. I think it's to realize our own sin and our own failures. We come to that upper room and we meet Jesus. I come to the upper room. I climb the stairs. I go in there. I see the table set before me. And I see Judas and I realize I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I need to be made whole. I need to be made right. I've turned my back on Him. I'm no different than Judas. I need the cross. I need the Lamb of God to atone for me desperately. Let that be hope and encouragement to you as we visit this upper room as God's people this morning that that we have betrayed God, but Jesus did not. He obeyed the will of the Father He went to the cross. He drank the cup of judgment for us. That's who your King is. That's who Jesus is. That's how much He loves you. Despite what you did, He goes to the cross. Secondly, the body. In verse 22, Jesus says, As they were eating, He took the bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is My body. So they are celebrating the Passover and one of the last one of the last things they would do eating the Passover meal is they would eat the lamb. And it was a reminder of the of the of the sacrifice that was made for them that allowed them to escape the angel of death and it allowed them to flee Egypt to the promised land. And as they and bef- in the process of eating the Passover meal, not only do they eat the lamb, but they eat unleavened bread. And they break the bread, and Jesus gives His disciples the bread. And so the reason that the bread is unleavened is because it is a reminder of how the the Israelites had to leave in haste in order to escape the Egyptians. And we are also taught in the New Testament that leaven is like sin, that just a little bit of it can spread and make the bread grow. It only takes a little. And so Jesus is serving His disciples unleavened bread. And so what He is telling them is, as He's celebrating this meal, as you think about this bread, I've mentioned to you before in my teaching that I am the bread of life. And that I am also the Lamb of God. And so Jesus is doing something very interesting. Yes, He's celebrating 
the Passover. But He's saying to His disciples, I am giving you a new meal to celebrate. Now we have talked as we have worked our way through the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is the one true Israelite. That Jesus is the only one who obeyed the covenant perfectly. He's the only one that did what God asked. That He is the only one who succeeds Abraham. He is the one true Israelite. And He's telling His disciples, 12 of them, which is akin to the 12 tribes of Israel, Jesus is doing something new here. Guys, pay attention. I am giving you a new covenant meal. I am establishing something radically new with you. And it is a supper that's no longer about the customs of the past. It is now about me. Because do you remember the Passover lamb? I am the lamb without blemish. I am the lamb whose body will be sacrificed for your sins. I am the bread that fills you. I am the bread who causes you not to hunger spiritually. This is a new meal I'm creating around myself and who I am and who I and what I have come to do as the Messiah of Israel. So he says, take this unleavened bread, which represents freeness from sin. This bread that is a part of this meal where the, the lamb is present and eat it. And let it be an encouragement to you. Let it encourage you in the faith that I love you and I have come for you and I am giving my life for you. I am sacrificing my body so that you may live. You are unfaithful to the covenant. I obeyed it perfectly. Because I obeyed the covenant perfectly, I receive all the blessings of the covenant. Because you belong to me through faith, I'm going to give you those blessings. I am the fulfillment of all things in the Old Testament. And this is the new meal that I give to you that celebrates this. Take and eat. And then he says, drink this cup. A cup of my blood. Now in the Passover, there are three cups that are drunk in the course of this celebration. The first is the cup of sanctification. The second is the cup of judgment. The third is the cup of redemption. And the fourth is the cup of praise. Now, the cup of redemption, the third cup, comes right after the meal. So scholars believe that Jesus has had them drink the cup of sanctification, that they've drunk the cup of judgment, and now they come to the third cup, the cup of redemption. And Jesus says to them, this is a new meal. This is something unbelievable that I'm doing. And the cup of redemption that you have been drinking for generations is now fulfilled in me because my blood will be spilt just like the Lamb's blood was spilt to accomplish your redemption. So in that cup that those disciples drink that Jesus offers to them, all of God's covenant promises that we see throughout the Old Testament come to fulfillment as Jesus finishes His meal and He heads to the cross. 
Because He is the Son of God. He is the Word that has come in flesh. He has come at the bequest of the Father for us. Remember, God has made promises to save us and in the throne room of heaven, He looks to the Son and He says, I need you to go and to rescue them and to save them and to redeem them because I love them. And that's what Jesus does. And He celebrates the cup of redemption because it's fulfilled in Him. And He tells them to take and to drink. All of this reminds me early in the Gospel of John where John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the last great prophet of the Old Testament He sees Jesus. He's overcome with awe because he understands that Jesus is the Passover Lamb that has come to bring redemption for His people. And so you have this table set before you this morning. The body and the blood. And this is a feast. It's an appetizer, if you will. It's reminding us that there will be a grand feast, a grand banquet when Jesus comes in victory and establishes His kingdom fully forever. Jesus is inviting you to this table. It is as if He is standing behind it. It is that sacred. He is present with us according to the Word of God. And if you believe in Him, if you have placed your faith in Him, if you've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here and He is summoning you to come forward. Here is my body which offers you eternal love, eternal forgiveness, eternal redemption. Here is my blood which was spilt for you, which erases all of your sins. Come and be reminded. Come and be filled. Come and get a taste of what it will be like when all the sin and sorrow and disappointments of this world are gone forever. This is His table. This is not Trinity's table. And He gives it to you as an encouragement to your soul. Yes, it's just a little bit of wine. Yes, it's just a little bit of bread. But it is so much more than that. If you do not belong to Christ, if you've not fully trusted in Him, I would encourage you not to partake of the table. Paul says that when you come in an unworthy manner, you heap judgment upon yourself. We don't want that. What we want is for you to give your life to Christ so that the next time you're in this place or somewhere else, that you can run to this table. And that you can take the body and you can take the blood and Jesus can encourage you through the Holy Spirit regarding what His body and His blood has accomplished.